Wow, praise the Lord. Um, this is wonderful. Choir, specials, people, amen. Um, li- listen, uh, we, well, I need to qualify some things. The pastor has a uh, communication breakdown when he comes up to Canada because he doesn't know the word A. Amen. Um, amen. We, we've been in Metro Vancouver for 26 and a half years. As missionaries, we are from the States, and prior to that, we were in the Philippines for eight and a half years in Cebu City as missionaries. Uh, And when God brought us up to Canada, uh, honestly, we we, we came home. My wife brought home in a wheelchair um, with issues in the Philippines, and and we didn't know what God was doing, you know, where are we going, what's happening. Uh, We were, thank the Lord, God brought us to St. Pete, Florida, for two years. Uh, what a reprieve. And, uh, but uh, asking God, where are we going? What are we doing, Lord? And, and uh, so, Lord, close. I, I, I pray, and let me encourage you, because a lot of times we don't know the will of God. All right? A lot of times we want what we want for God's will for our lives, uh, but may not be the best thing for us, and oftentimes it's not. And so I, I prayed, and I'd encourage you to have the same prayer. Lord, I may not have the spiritual discernment to know where you want me or what you want me to do in my life. So, Lord, would you please intervene? Would you close any door that you don't want me to go into? Amen? And, and that's a safe and wonderful prayer, needful prayer. And God closed three doors. <laughs> uh, and after the first door closed, I said, okay, Lord, I can live with that. Second, okay, Lord, that's, that's fine. Third door closed, I'm going, Lord, what are you doing? <laughs> All right? And, um, and I was, wow, Lord, something has to happen here. And God laid on my heart to fly from Tampa, Florida to, uh, to Seattle and rent a car and drive on up to Vancouver. Now, I want you to know that Canada was definitely not on my list, all right? Not at all, okay? I grew up in northeastern Iowa, like Wisconsin. Uh, I never want to see another winner in my life, all right? Um, Twice in the 20 years... uh, By the way, I I, I grew up in northeastern Iowa for 20 years only because I didn't know any better, all right? Anyone from Iowa, you know what I'm talking about, all right? But twice in the 20 years I was there, with a windshield factor 75 below zero. Three years after I moved to Arlington, Virginia, thank you, Lord, um, uh, my brother called me up and he he said, we broke the record 100 below with the windshield factor, all right? I think we beat Wisconsin, all right? And uh, it just, anyway, and so in my mind, Canada represents winner, okay, and I had no idea what I was coming to, so I, I, I drove, and before I even got to bank, before I got to the border, God flooded my soul with perfect pieces where I want you, and I didn't know why, and I get there, and I look around, it's Asia, all right, I'm serious, it is Asia, all right, occasionally you'll see a Caucasian, amen, oftentimes a tourist, all right, <laughs> uh, but we, uh, uh, we have the second largest Chinatown in North America, uh, next to San Francisco. We probably, I'm guessing at this point, because number one, we haven't had a census in many, many years, and number two, nobody fills them out, all right? But I'm guessing we probably have close to a million Chinese in the metro Vancouver area, all right? Two independent Baptist churches trying to reach them. And one is struggling. The other one is pretty well established, all right? Uh, we have probably a million East Indian, mostly Punjabi, the taller Indians. Um, and as far as I know, not one independent Baptist church reaching them. All right? Those are the two largest ethnic populations of the world. And they also represent two countries for the most part that Americans cannot go as missionaries. And, and it puzzles me, it often does, uh, puzzle me uh, why we have people going to China that cannot hand out tracts, cannot witness, cannot start churches, 
and I welcome them to come to Vancouver. I've even had missionaries that told me they were kicked out of China. And I said, I'll fly you to Vancouver. We'll put you up. We'll help you start a church if God leads. And they don't come. i got to leave that over to the Lord. Amen? Um, but it is a tremendous wide open field. Uh, pray for us. Uh, the government is clamping down. And I believe this is a global effort. I really do. I'm sincere when I say that. Um, and for the last, this is our second week in a row now where our church is, is supposed to be closed by government order. And that's supposed to go on for one more week. And I'm also convinced that the, one of the main problems is that we're all a bunch of cattle being herded. And if the government finds there's no resistance or nobody standing up and saying, stop. I'm convinced after the 6th of December, we'll see the government in B.C. say, we're just going to continue closing churches. All right. Now, please, I, I got to qualify things. I'm not saying you pack a gun and, and fight. I'm not saying be rebellious. I'm not saying, uh, I'm not saying be physical. I, I, you know, in the Philippines, are there any Filipinos here? Bless your heart, amen. In the Philippines, there was an historical landmark. I mean, I, as far as I know, this never took place in all of history. I could be wrong. Uh, we arrived in the Philippines in 1984, the tail end of 84. In 1985, 86, you have the overthrow of Marcos, okay? There's not one shot fired, a government put down, a president removed that was a dictator for, forgive me, uh, for 25 years or so, all right? The rich got poor, the uh, poorer, and the, uh, I'm sorry, the rich got richer and the poor got poorer, amen? And, and that's the way it ran. Uh, there were four private airlines before Marcos. He stepped in one airline, PAL, government airline. Uh, all the, hot, all the uh, TV stations, Government outposts, military outposts at each one, all right? Uh, you said anything against Marcos, you were thrown in prison as a political prisoner, or you were found dead, or you got out of the country quick, all right? And that's the way it ran. Um, could be interesting. Could be coming to our neighborhood, all right? But uh, we, we, we seen all that. We, we were part of that as we went there, and... Uh, you know, folks, it, it, freedom is wonderful. And, and God has given us a right, a liberty to worship Him. Amen. Uh, and I'm so, I, I'm thrilled to see you. I'm thrilled. Uh, visitors came on out. Thank you for coming. And, and let me go back to this. The thing that was so impressive to me in, in 1986, I believe, was with the overthrow of Marcos. It was called People power. The tanks were rolling down Etza, the main road in Metro Manila, and the military was going to take over, and the people stood in front of the tanks, and it was stopped. Amen? And I think it's time for Christians in particular to take a stand. Stay, take a stand for your God-given rights. Here's the difference between Canada and United States. It's an interesting thought. In Canada, the government gives you the right to worship. It is a liberty and your right to worship. United States, God gives you the right. And the problem is, if the government gives you something, the government can take it away. That's pretty sad, all right? But it is in the Constitution and the Charter Rights of Canada that we have the liberty to worship. Now the government is suppressing those things, all right? So we'd ask you to pray for us. Pray that God give us wisdom. And, and pray right now, there's, I know there's many churches in British Columbia and I believe throughout Canada, they're seeking to sign petitions and stand up and say, in, in a peaceful way, in a peaceful manner, and say, this is wrong, all right? My concern is the, the wheel is turning so fast 
that I am afraid that those behind the curtains are not willing to even listen to protest. Listen to the large majority of people saying, stop. All right. And I hope I'm wrong. If, I, if I'm wrong, I would jump, I'd be the first one to say, thank you, Lord. Amen. And time, you know, time will tell. Amen. Time will tell what's going to happen here. Amen. And, uh, but it's interesting when you see it seems globally everything's on the same time frame. Keep that in mind. All right. Go to Philippians chapter number 3. We'll get to preaching. Amen. Philippians chapter number 3. I appreciate the Sunday school lesson. By the way, appreciate the opportunity to be with you today and preach God's Word. I have a three-hour message to preach in maybe a half hour or so. God have mercy. Amen. Help me. Um, but um, I, I appreciate the Sunday school lesson in, in from, flip, uh, from Acts chapter number 4. And, and the, you see the liberty of God's people and God's churches and having all things in common and the and the love and the care and the grace that God has bestowed upon the God's people then, all right? And the question is presented, why are we not seeing those things today? And I want to touch on maybe a, 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 a why I think that is, but it will be involved with the message, all right? So Philippians chapter number 3, for sake of time, would, would you stand? We'll just read two verses I didn't bring my glasses for whatever reason, and we'll try to get through this, all right? Amen. Philippians chapter number 3, verse number 7 and 8. But what things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. Our Heavenly Father, God, again, we ask you, Lord, that you'd bless the preaching thy holy word. Lord, I am so encouraged with everyone that's here today. Lord, I pray, Father, that you would keep these doors open. And Lord God, that you'd bless and encourage people in the opportunity, the privilege that you have today for these folks, Lord, to worship you and to praise you and to be obedient to you, Lord, as you said in Hebrews 10, 25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as a manner of some is, but exhorting one another. And so much more as you see the day approaching. And Lord, I believe the day is approaching where you'll sound the trumpet and God's people will be taken out of this world. Lord, we look forward to that. But in the meanwhile, Lord, may we be found faithful. In Christ's name I do pray. Amen. Thank you. you may be seated. And in, in, in dealing with this aspect of God's people, what needs to take place? And, and I, I believe we'll see it here in the life of Paul that is demonstrated, the example of probably the greatest Christian in the New Testament, probably, all right, in my estimation anyway. And, and what, you know, let, let, go back and you look in the lives of any Christian in the Old Testament and the New Testament. And you'll see a common denominator with every single one of them, with the exception, well, maybe a few, all right? And I believe Paul is one of the few exceptions. You'll see God dealing with their heart, and you'll see them struggling, just like you did, just like I did, and, and still do, all right? And we struggle with uh, this surrendered aspect, this, this ideal of, as Paul identified, dying daily to self, Amen taking up thy cross and following the Lord, all right? We, we struggle with that, and we get in the way, all right? You see, when God called Moses, and he had the burning bush, and God revealed himself to him, and, and God told Moses that I want you to go back into Egypt and lead my people out of bondage. Remember what Moses did? He used one excuse after another excuse after... You got the wrong person, Lord. God finally got fed up with him, amen? And God, you know, Moses said, Lord, you know, I can't even speak. Well, that's interesting. You find Moses uh, earlier in Egypt, growing up in the palace, he is very eloquent in speaking, all right? And all of a sudden, he can't speak, and God said, all right, 
enough. I'll have Aaron, your brother, be your spokesperson. All right? But you'll see Moses struggling in that surrendered life. But you read through the life of Moses, and somewhere along the way, I like to use this phrase, he got it. Amen? He got it. Where you see the life of Moses changed. And you see the life of Moses no longer bringing excuses, no longer, you know, this weak flesh struggling, but he got it. You see it with the apostles. I mean, can you imagine right up until the crucifixion, they were arguing who deserves to go to heaven more than the other person? Who's greater than the other person? They never got it. I mean, even Peter walking on the water, he still didn't get it. Amen? Thomas, doubting Thomas. Lord, I, 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 he said to the other 11 or other 10, I will not believe until I see him and, and put my finger in his palms of his hands and thrust my hand to his side. I will not believe in the resurrected Savior. Oh, I'm glad Christ just came right through the walls. Amen. <laughs> Thomas, amen. Behold my body and take thy finger and thrust it in my hand and, and, and where it's pierced and put thy hand into my uh, side. You know, Thomas didn't have to do it. My Lord and my God. You know what? At that point, I think he got it. Amen. No longer doubting Thomas. He got it. And the apostles got it. And you can see their lives changed we see the life of Paul Saul prior to salvation we see in Acts chapter number 9 he had uh, authority think about this authority to threaten and slaughter Christians wow that's a wicked authority by the way a religious authority wow And the Lord Jesus Christ appears unto him. Saul, Saul, why persecute thou me? It's hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he responded, who art thou, Lord? I mean, he's thrust off his horse. He's blinded, but he can hear. And he realizes whoever this is, it is God, but I don't know who God is. Isn't that amazing? I mean, Saul... I believe, was being groomed to be one of the spiritual leaders of Israel. Very zealous in his religion, but he didn't know who God was. And Jesus responded that he is, Jesus, he is Christ whom thou persecutest. You know what Paul's next words were? Lord, what would thou have me to do? He got it. He got it. And his life was changed, completely changed. And this is where I want to pick up. We see, first of all, that Paul had the correct assessment for life. The correct assessment. I mean, you try to step back and assess your life today. What is your life all about? Amen? Paul, I believe, had the correct assessment for life. Number one. He dealt with that which he had gained in life. Look back at verse number 4 and following. Though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinketh that he hath whereof he might trust in the flesh, I more. Now, Paul is not bragging on himself, but he's just simply relating his status, his position, and who and what he was prior to salvation as a religious leader. Verse number 5. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, and Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law, a Pharisee. Concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law. And by the way, let me qualify. Touching the righteous, uh, I says, um, 
touching the righteousness which is of the law or in the law. All right, so he's not saying self-righteousness, all right? But he's saying, I obeyed the law, all right? He says, blameless. Wow. I mean, what a pedigree. What, what an honorable person, if you will, as a religious lost person. Amen? Paul, in, now, in the sense of trying to keep the law and trying to do right, he was right there. The Bible uh, tells us that Paul sat at the feet of Gamaliel, probably one of the greatest scholars of his time. And again, positionally, Paul had everything going for him. Uh, his pedigree, he had it all. He had power. He had authority. All right? And look, if you would, please, in verse number 7. Again, as what he had gained, he assessed that in his life. But what things were gained to me, those I count lost for Christ. Paul looked at everything that he had in life and he said, it doesn't matter. Amen. A matter of fact, Paul made this statement that he said, I have learned, and I emphasize that word, I have learned in whatever state I am therewith to be content. By the way, that's what I need to do and that's what you need to do most likely is learn to be content with whatever circumstances we find ourselves in. Amen? Uh, if, if we lose everything tomorrow, does it change our relationship with Christ? I hope not. Amen? It should not. Amen? And, and so Paul looks and says, life goes on with my relationship with Christ if I lose everything. As a matter of fact, Paul turned his back on everything that he had. Amen? He says again in verse number 7, But what things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ. Lord, all that this world has to offer is nothing in light of who you are and my relationship with you. Amen. He deals with that which he had lost in verse number 8. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung that I may win Christ. And so positionally in life, Paul said, it doesn't matter if I have much, if I have little, it doesn't matter. I'm not going to allow the circumstances of this life and what comes into my personal life to dictate how I'm going to live for Christ. It doesn't matter. And God help us that we would respond the same way. It's not going to change my love and my devotion and my obedience to God because things came into my life, or I lost things. Amen? And so, uh, look, look if you would, or hold your place, and at least listen on purpose with this, in Matthew chapter number 16, and verse number 24 through 26. The Lord Jesus Christ is speaking, and He says, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. You want to save your life? Here's an interesting uh, thought. Christ says you got to lose it. Amen? You have to lose it. You have to die to self. All right? For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. All right, you want a relationship with the Lord? You want, you want a right relationship? You're going to find it in Christ. Amen. Not in self. And goes on and says, what, For what is a profit of man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? You know, I am under the personal opinion, and I could be wrong. Just talk to my wife sometime, amen? But I am in, I'm 
pretty well convinced that the rapture is going to take place in my life. And I'm getting older. <laughs> Amen. Uh, I will be 68 years old in two days. And it's getting, the wheels, I, I say this, the wheels are turning very quickly in this world. Very quickly. And I'm listening for the trumpet. Amen. It's getting exciting. These are exciting days, but I, I want to talk to you, especially if you're here today and you don't know if you're going to go to heaven. Say, well, I hope so. Maybe. I'm not sure, but I try to be a good person. Well, bless your heart for trying, and I mean that honestly. But you're going to risk eternal life based upon a hope so, a maybe and I don't have time to really develop this thought, but I please encourage you, come back next Sunday. Come back tonight at 6 o'clock. Call Pastor Reno and ask him, can I sit down and talk to you about salvation, eternal life, having all my sins forgiven, having the promise of when I die that I'm going to go to heaven and know for sure. Amen. By the way, that answer is not found in religious effort. It's not found there. It's found in the person, the Savior, Jesus Christ, and Him alone. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. The word grace simply means this. God given me something I do not deserve. Amen. I don't deserve to go to heaven. Amen. I don't deserve it. If I got what I deserved, I'd go straight to hell. Amen. By the way, with everybody else, hell's a place for sinners, and I qualify. How about you? Amen. We all do. Heaven is a place that's perfect without sin. I don't qualify, and nobody does. For the Bible says, for all of sin comes short of the glory of God. There's none righteous, no, not one. Amen. Amen. And so, if you go to heaven, it's not because of, I'm a good person. I'm a religious person. I, I help people. That's not the answer. The answer is Jesus. You know, when Christ died on the cross, before he gave up his physical life, he cried out, it is finished. For you, my dear brother, taposna. Amen. It's finished. Do you know you can't add anything, anything to, the, to that which is finished? Amen. And here's what's wrong with religion. Religion said it's Christ plus your good works. It's Christ plus your baptism. It's Christ plus your church membership. It's Christ plus you keeping the law. And all those things Remove the grace of God. They nullify it. The Bible says, For if righteousness come by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. Wow. That's not the answer. The answer is Jesus. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, For He, God the Father, made Him, God the Son, to be made sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. Interesting thought as you read through the uh, New Testament. Every single time you run across the context of salvation, the context of being justified just as if I've never sinned, the context of being redeemed, purchased back to God, the context of being glorified. Every single time you're going to hear this phrase or read this phrase, in Christ Jesus, through Christ Jesus, by Christ Jesus. Amen? It's all packaged in Christ. Amen. I, I like to refer to God's grace. God not giving me what I do deserve. Amen. 
God's mercy. Did I get that right? God's mercy. Amen. God, again, God not giving me what I do deserve. God give me his blessings, his goodness, and grace. And it's all wrapped up in his love. In his love. Amen. And so, let, I'll have to get back to this message. Look at the life of Paul. Paul got it. He understood. He appreciated the goodness of God. And so it didn't matter what happened in life. I'm going to live for the Lord. I'm going to be faithful in serving God. Paul had the correct assessment for life. Number two, Paul had the correct aspirations for his life. What are your aspirations? What are your goals, your desires? What do you want to accomplish in life? Can we see the list that Paul gives us here? Look, if you would, please, in verse number 8 again. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. And, and the first thing that Paul lists here is for the knowledge. Here's my aspiration, my desire, my goal, that I might have the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. Amen? And, and I want you to understand the context of what Paul is saying and, the, and how he emphasized this by using the, uh, the phrase that he says, that I might know the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord. I believe that Paul raised the bar, amen, in using the term excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord. Far above all the wisdom, far above all the knowledge, far above all the education that this world could ever provide. Christ, uh, Paul is saying the knowledge of Christ Jesus is far superior. The excellency. By the way, again, Paul had an education. Paul had a very good education in this world. And Paul wanted to make a distinction. There's a huge difference between what the world can give you and what Christ has for us. And may we desire have the knowledge, the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord. In the Philippines, uh, we had a family in our church, and uh, they had, oh, five kids last time I knew, uh, and the youngest one, Joshua, when we left the Philippines in 1992, Joshua was eight years old, and Joshua had a birth defect. And as a result, Joshua never matured physically, mentally, emotionally, never matured. And when we left, eight years old, Joshua was about so tall and mentally very, very much hindered. And I had the opportunity to go back 12 years later and we got together like a great, wonderful family reunion and got to see people. Uh, I mean, here was one young lady. I'd seen her, you know, as a young child. And, and uh, her name, her God-given birth name was Happy. And I never once seen a smile on her face. Never one time was she happy. She never lived up to her name. And then I'm seeing all these folks I hadn't seen for 12 years, and there's Happy over there, and she's smiling, having a good time. I go up to her, I said, Happy, what happened to you? And I didn't have to say anymore. She said, Pastor, I don't know what was wrong with me back then. <laughs> amen. I'm glad she got past it. Amen. And then I seen Joshua. Now he's 20 years old. And I think Joshua is about so tall. Hadn't developed at all. And it broke my heart to see Joshua and realize that that's the way he's going to be the rest of his life. Wow. And then it hit me. I wonder how God must feel about maybe me or you, God's children, that we have never grown spiritually, not like we should have developed. Not like our Heavenly Father desires for us to develop. Pastor was talking about grieving the Holy Spirit. Wow. How that must grieve God. 
Paul said, I want the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord. He goes on, verse number 8, say, Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus and my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them a dung, that I may win Christ. Paul's desire, his aspiration, I want to win Christ. This is no lottery, you understand that, amen? So what is he talking about when he says win Christ? Well, let me help you understand this. I need your help today. How many grandparents are here? In particular, grandmothers, amen? All right, you'll readily understand what I'm talking about. My grandson and my granddaughter were sitting at the table years ago with my wife, and, and by the way, this still goes on, all right? And my granddaughter was saying, oh, Grandma, don't you look good today? Oh, Grandma, you're so nice and so sweet and so kind. And, and my grandson leaned over to my, ma, my wife and said, Ma, she's playing you. <laughs> All you grandmothers understand exactly what I'm talking about. Doesn't happen so much with the grandfathers. I'm not sure why. <laughs> and my wife responded with a smile on her face. And she says, I know, I know, yes. And she said, I like it. Amen? My wife likes my granddaughter playing her so that my, my wife can take my, grandmother, my granddaughter to the mall and spoil her. Amen? That's what God made grandmothers for. Now, what is my granddaughter trying to do? She's trying to win the favor of my wife. Now, listen, please understand this. I've got to put this and qualify it properly. We don't win the favor of God to be saved. Amen. There's absolutely nothing you could do ever to win God's salvation. Amen. That's by faith in Christ alone, faith in His finished work. But now, as a child of God, we ought to seek to win God's favor. We need to stop and think about it. We're in a spiritual warfare, and probably more so than ever before. I need God's power. I need God's hand upon me. I cannot afford to try to do the work of God in this flesh. Amen? I need to win God's favor. Let's go on. Verse number 9. And be found in Him. Say, wait a minute. Be found in him? Is not Paul saved? And by the way, Paul is in a Roman prison. This is the tail end of Paul's life. Amen. He's in prison and he says, Lord, I want to be found in you. You say, what, what do you mean by that? Let me ask you this. If the rapture was going to take place this week, that could happen. Where is God going to find you? Amen. I think every Christian wants the rapture to take place on a Sunday morning when you're in church. I'm ready, Lord. <laughs> you know, I brought my Bible. Amen. I'm ready. Where is God going to find you? What if he doesn't come on a Sunday morning? And by the way, what, what is God looking for? The heart. Cussing, cussing, amen, the heart. God wants you. Where is he going to find you? Amen. Let's move on. Verse number, verse number nine, and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is the law, which is of the law, but that which through faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith a right heart, a right relationship with God. That's where God wants to find us. Let's drop down verse number, uh, verse number 12. Not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Now, I need some help. I need a volunteer. And so I'm going to pick you. <laughs> What's your name? Jordan. Jordan. Are you green today or red? This is green. I'm going to shake your hand. All right. Good. 
All right, Jordan, Jordan. We're, you ever watch the movies, cops and robbers shows, amen, and, and he just robbed a 7-Eleven. Okay, he got excited about that. Wow. All right. Grab a Slurpee on the way out, right? Okay. And I am the policeman, all right? And so he is running away, trying to evade the shotgun the guy has at 7-Eleven. And not a good idea, all right? And he's trying to evade me from running after him, capturing and apprehending him. Amen? All right. And so I know he has long legs, but somehow or another, I get him down. I put him down on the ground. I put my knee in his back. Is that the right way? And I handcuffed him. I just apprehended Jordan. Thank you, Jesse. I'll, I'll catch you later. All right? All right? I just apprehended him. All right? And Paul says, I want to apprehend that for which I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. You get it? I want my life to be all about what God wants it to be about. There's no room for me. Amen? It's all about Him. And my life is all about bringing honor and glory to God. I want to apprehend that for which I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Wow. What a life. What a mindset of the Lord uh, of, of Paul in his attitude toward the Lord Jesus Christ. Now let's consider priorities. All right. Number three, Paul had the correct priorities for life. You know, I have a problem with priorities. How about you? You know, you know just mention the word priorities right now. You know, <laughs> mental telepathy. Here we go. All right. You're thinking right now, all right, I got to get this done today. I got to get this and, and got to get ready for tomorrow. And I got to get this place. And you start listing your priorities either mentally or writing them down and looking at these priorities. And you know what oftentimes happens? Something else comes up, and you're, those things are bumped. No doubt you have priorities in your life that you thought were important. You haven't even gotten to them because something else came up, and something else came up. So priorities, you know, they're well-meaning, but oftentimes they just don't come through. Amen. Paul had, the, had a priority issue here. And he dealt with it very good. I want you to look at this, please. In verse number, uh, where are we? Verse number 13. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do. This one thing I do. How many things are on his priority list? One thing. I like that. You know, I, I need simplicity in my life for a lot of reasons, all right? But I need simplicity. One thing, not ten, one thing. Notice this, forgetting those things which are behind. Amen. Can I encourage you today? Can I encourage, as Paul has said here, forget the things that are behind. You can't change them. You can't go back and change it. Amen. I can live today for God. I can choose to do right today. But I can't go back and change yesterday. You know, let me encourage you today, forget the past failures. Amen? I know Christians that fall flat on their face like we all have, spiritually, and never got back up. Never got back up. Do you know that God forgave them of all their sins? You know that God trying to encourage them, get up, keep on going, trust in me, get right with me, and we'll, we'll go forward. Amen. Forget your past failures. Amen. God has. <laughs> as far as east is from the west, so far have they removed our transgressions from us. They're gone. Amen. So why are you carrying them? Also, forget your past success. Don't live in past success. Amen? Uh, in the Philippines, we had a dear, precious lady in our church 
and, and you know, we give testimonies, and she stood up and she gave a testimony, and, uh, and then, you know, I thought, wow, that is an amazing testimony. Look what God did in her life. And then uh, maybe six months later, she stood up and gave testimony, and I said, that one sounds familiar. Yeah, that's one she gave about six months ago. Praise the Lord for what God did. It was about a year later, she stood up and she gave the same testimony. And I, I, I'm saying, well, amen. I thank God for what God did in her life, but what is God doing today? Amen? Because the fact of the matter is, God's not done with any of us. Amen? God never put any of us on a shelf. He wants us to keep on going for Him. He wants to do amazing things. He longs to prove Himself to you and to me every day of our life. Amen? Let Him do it. Amen? Forget the past. But notice, if you would please, this, this is absolutely amazing. Verse number 13 and 14. I want to take particular note to these two verses. He says, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. Jordan, I need you. All right? So I told you I was going to. You ever run track and field? No. Good. All right. We're going to run a race. Right here, right now. This is the starting line. That's the finish line. All right. Now, he has an advantage, doesn't he? It's called legs. Amen. All right. But we're going we're gonna to have to work on this because... The only, uh, the only way I can have any chance at all that we do this in slow-mo, okay. all right? You know where the finish line is? Right there. You ready? Slow. 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 I won by a nose. Reaching forth unto those things which are before. What an outlook on life. Where's Paul? He's in a Roman prison. He's ready to be killed for his faith. What is his attitude? What is his outlook? It doesn't matter where I'm at. It doesn't matter what the circumstances are. I'm all excited about reaching forth unto what God has next for me. No wonder there were Roman guards that were saved. Amen. No wonder Paul had such a tremendous impact upon the lives of people. His whole mindset, what does God have for me today? What does God want to do today? Forget the past. Amen? I want to live for God today. Reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark of the prize, the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let me ask you this. Uh, I know we're in western Washington, but is there any hunters here? Anybody? Uh, praise the Lord. Amen. Uh, rifle. Bow, uh, slingshot, amen, slingshot, darts, amen. Okay, so you're going to practice, all right? And so you put out a target, amen? What are you aiming for? The target, amen? But you're aiming in particular for the bullseye. And so if you don't mind, there's your target, there's your bullseye, Amen. And Paul said, I'm pressing toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Do you realize that there were times that Paul missed and missed bad? Amen. There are times that Paul didn't even hit the wall. Amen. And Paul said that I'm not going to stop. I'm going to keep on pressing. I'm going to keep on pressing. I'm going to keep on pressing for that target, for that bullseye. 
What is the prize? What, what is the uh, bullseye? The prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Paul said, I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to give up. I'm going to keep on aiming. And you know what? There are times in your life you're not even hitting the wall. You're not even coming close. Just like mine. There are times that you hit the target, but you're not, you're not on center. Amen. And you know what? There'll be times where you may hit the center. Praise the Lord. I hope so. But don't stop there. Keep on pressing. Keep on pressing. Keep on pressing for that bullseye. The prize. The high calling of God in Christ Jesus. I believe this is what the prize is. I believe this is what the bullseye is. Knowing that you're in God's perfect will today, right now in your life, knowing there's nothing between you and the Savior. Amen. Father, we do thank you, Lord, for this day. Thank you, dear God, for loving us, being merciful toward us, Lord God, being long-suffering, not only for people to be saved, but for your children to get it. To come to the place in their lives where it's all about Christ. Lord God, I do pray, Father, that you've spoken to hearts today. I pray, dear Father, Lord, that there'll be people that will realize that their relationship with you, their walk with you is not what it ought to be. There are things that have stood in the way, whether it's sin, selfishness, whatever it is, Lord. Dear God, that they would seek to confess those things and be right with you, to restore that sweet fellowship with you again, the bullseye. Dear Father, I pray, Lord, minister to hearts as we have this invitation. In Jesus' name I do pray, amen. Uh,